News, news has the ability to uh, affect our hearts, right? When we hear something about someone, uh, when we declare something, I got an A, you know, I graduated, I got the job, or someone got the promotion, or someone is engaged, or, you know, it's a boy, or it's a girl, um, those kinds of announcements, those kinds of things that are declared. And I guess, I don't know, there was a time when that was done in person. I think that's less and less nowadays, but maybe you see it on social media or you see someone post a picture or something and you see those things and it affects us. It has, there's this ability that news has to affect our hearts. And that's, Really important for us to know because that's primarily why we gather here. Uh, to have our affections stirred by news. Good news. right? That's my goal when I come up here uh, to speak truth and conviction and joy and hope into your heart by the word of God and his spirit. By the, by the news that's contained here in God's word. And that's particularly relevant today since what we celebrate today is the kind of the the best news it's it's at the center of this whole thing uh it is the best news of greatest joy it's christmas you know what we're going to be looking into is the news that took place when it took place the christmas story and what it means for us today, thousands of years later, and my hope is that it will fill our hearts with joy. You know, that our hearts will be filled with a sense of joy as we do so. And so that's really, that's, you know, simply what we're going to do today. If you guys have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open them up to Luke, the book of Luke, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2, and we're going to start in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and um, we'll read through verse 20, but we'll take it one piece at a time. This is Luke 2, verse 8. This is God's word, and it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay, let's stop right there for a second. And what we see in this passage is there are shepherds in some field, Right, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Now, whenever typically an angel of the Lord appears uh, in the Bible, the first reaction that people have is one of fear. And I think this is actually something that most of us can relate to. You know, if uh, 
An authority figure, typically, when we are confronted by uh, a figure of authority who we deem to have greater authority than us, uh, our response, the first response that we have is fear. Like if a cop pulls you over or if uh, a judge wants to talk to you, right? Or if when you're in school, a teacher wants to talk to you or the principal or your parents. You know, generally, our first response is one of fear, And that actually speaks to something that's in us. It's typically because we think, am I doing something wrong? Was I doing something wrong? Now, also angels are probably scary, so that might be another reason. But uh, So they're filled with fear. Now, the response of the angel is, the angel said to them, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. He's saying, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. In fact, it's news so great that, you know, in verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. So it's news so good. You know, he says it's good news of great joy, and it's news so good that, in fact, all of heaven is opened up after he declares it. After he says, okay, this is what's happening, after the angel declares, okay, this is what's happening, then all of heaven is opened up, the heavenly hosts, they're praising, they're saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. There's a, there's a party up in heaven, and all the angels are singing this praise. So what's the good news? The good news is that the promised worthy Savior, the Christ, has finally come. That's the good news. That the worthy promised Savior has come into the world to love the world. Right? A child born of a, of a, of a woman, of a daughter of Eve, as prophesied in Genesis 3, born of a virgin, as prophesied in Isaiah 7, in the town of Bethlehem from Micah 5, the one who will bring low every mountain, the one who will bring up every valley, who will comfort the broken and, the, and bring low the arrogant from Isaiah 40, who will be the suffering servant to draw all God's people to himself. This, this promised Savior, this promised Messiah has arrived. The worthy promised Savior has entered our world, and that's good news. That's a reason for us to have great joy, particularly for anyone who's feeling in need. So for anyone who's feeling in need, for anyone who feels like they need help, this is great news. This is amazing news. Um, it's interesting. I was, I was reading this recently um, there have been a lot of reports, actually, over the past year that um, we have a, a loneliness epidemic in America. There's a former U.S. Surgeon, um, former U.S. Surgeon General, uh, Dr. Murthy. Uh, he said that we have, a, we have a loneliness epidemic. Loneliness has been found to uh, be associated with a reduced lifespan. He actually said that loneliness is so serious that it, it's similar to the things that can be caused by smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's, that's crazy. And it's, it's greater than, um, it's a greater uh, societal impact than uh, on someone's lifespan than obesity. 
Um, there was actually a recent study done. Uh, this was a different thing. Like, this was a different news report. But uh, there was a study cited, like, this week in, in U.S. News and World Report that found that three in four Americans struggle with loneliness. 75%. Three in four Americans. And loneliness, in this way, it's subjective, right? It's what you feel, and the definition is distress because of the discrepancy between actual social relationships and desired social relationships. So it's, it's caused by a gap between what I have and what I want, what I, what I want to have. So people can feel lonely even if they're, um, you know, they have a big family or they're married or they're in a group of friends or um, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Physical proximity isn't necessarily the isn't necessarily a cure i guess for loneliness it's connect and loneliness is also connected to elevated levels of depression and anxiety and stress and it's made me think about as i've been thinking about this for a while how a lot of people struggle with loneliness in our world i think there are many reasons for that um social media being one big reason but how does jesus the the promised worthy savior who loves us how does how does him coming in the world in love for us how does that save us because i believe that he saves us now of course in a theological sense like we're all in sin right so all of us have sin we need rescue from our sin from the judgment of God. And so Jesus comes into the world. God himself comes into the world. He becomes a man and he lives a perfect life on this earth that we can't because we already have sinned. All of us have sinned. We're already guilty of sin. He lives that life we can't. He dies on the cross for our sins. He's resurrected from the dead. So if we have faith in him, we can have eternal life, right? We can, we can be in heaven. We can have fellowship with God at the end, after our lives are over. But what about right now? Because I think Jesus is the Savior for all of our lives, for everything, for all our felt needs, for everything that we feel like we need, Jesus has an answer for it, including our loneliness. Right? How does a, how does a promised worthy Savior help us in something like that? So I think there's a, there are a couple things. Uh, first, being fully known and loved by God in Christ. Being fully known and loved by God in Christ gives us an incredible joy and freedom. So Jesus has come to do what we cannot do. His mission isn't to oppress. We kind of talked about this last week. It's not to um, come and you know, rule by oppression, it is to die for us. It is to become the oppressed. It is to relate with us so that we can enter into a relationship with him. Now, the Bible makes this, it, 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 it shows it, it highlights it, right? Because how does Jesus come? He doesn't come on a, you know, he doesn't come with a royal entourage. He doesn't come with a bunch of kind of fanfare and a parade and like, you know, there's nothing that accompanies Jesus entering into the world. So while all of heaven is rejoicing and they're singing songs of praise, what's happening on earth is nothing. Nobody even recognizes it, right? This is what a bunch of like Christmas songs are about. If you ever wonder about like, you know, Silent Night 
you know, or um, like, Oh, Little Town of Bethlehem, like these kinds of songs, it sounds like, oh, it's just like a nice, fun, you know, children's song. And, you know, in one sense, it kind of is. But the, the idea is that while heaven is rejoicing, there's a choir going on, there's a big production. On earth, nothing's happening because nobody notices. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to know us, to relate to us. He's not, he's, not, he's not the savior who can relate to us if he's like this king on a throne and just waiting for us to fix ourselves so that we can come to him. He came in the humblest way. That the humblest of us would know that he's not beyond us. How do we know that Jesus welcomes us to him as we are He entered into our world and became as we are. So this does something to us. Like when you really understand what Jesus' intention is for you, it's just to know you and to, to love you, to have a relationship with you. Something happens. Like when we feel this sense that we don't have to achieve anymore, that we don't have to prove our worth to God, whether that's, academically or morally or financially or socially. Of course, if you don't have to prove it to God, you don't have to prove it to anyone. And you become free. Free to enjoy all that God has for you. There's a profound sense of connection and intimacy from knowing God and being known by God completely. Knowing this, God knows everything about you, right? He knows everything. He knows all your sin. He knows all your junk, all your past he knows all of your, your failures, whether they be ones that were about that you expectations that you had for yourself or ones things that happened to you. He knows everything good about you. He knows all your gifts better than you do. He knows your abilities better than you do, your skills, what you could be doing, what you are like when you are fully unleashed in all of your potential. He knows everything about you, good and bad. And he loves you like no one else loves you. Greater than anyone else could ever love you, including yourself. There's an incredible security and joy that comes from knowing that. Knowing that he knows you completely, yet he loves you completely. That helps us in our loneliness. Like there is something, and, and there are stories about missionaries who, you know, they're, they're overseas and then they lose their, they lose everything, right? They lose their family and they lose their community and they're stuck in there by themselves, isolated. And even when they are physically alone and isolated, they yet have the presence of God. That's a real thing. Right? And, and if you're a believer, you know that too, right? Like there can be a time when you are completely physically alone, yet you know that, you know, Emmanuel, God with us, that he is with you. He's still there for you. Even if you're not, you're not doing everything the right way, even if you're messing up, even if things have gone wrong, he's still there for you. He's still there with you. That's a deep, it's not a, it's not a giddy happiness, but it's a deep joy that never leaves us. 
Now, secondly, that's the first thing, being, being fully known and yet loved by God. Uh, it gives us this, this, this kind of this joy that cannot be taken from us. But there's a second thing that happens, being fully known and loved by God in Christ. It kills our shame. It allows us to, because we're known and loved by God, to be known and loved by other people. I think this is a, um, both of these things, they're a process that happen over time. And I think will happen increasingly until we see Jesus face to face. There's something about God that you can't, like you can't, you can't, I can't think of another term, but so you can't like BS God, right? Uh, I don't know if I should, is that okay? Whatever. (laughs) It's all right. Um, It's fine. Uh, You can't, right? You just, you just can't. You can do it. You can do it to other people, right? Anybody else, you can. Even if they know you really, even if they're really close to you, even if, um, you know, it's your parents or something or someone who's known you all your life, your best friend, you know, it's your spouse. You could still do it. It's harder, but you could. Right? But you can't do that to God. No matter what. He, he, know, he, he sees through that. Right? For some of us, we, we come here and, and we're trying to. Right? We're trying to put up something and to make it appear as though we actually know God. And it's not that hard, honestly. Like, in church, it's not that hard. We can just, you just say certain things, right? You just need some phrases. There are these certain phrases you're supposed to say. You know, throwing a, throw a blessed, throwing a encouraged, throwing a struggle language, you know, or a challenged language. Like, just say some of these words. Refer to some Bible vaguely, right? Because if you're actually walking with God, you probably know where that is really in the Bible. But if not, you know, just remember, try to vaguely remember something that you heard a long time ago and just kind of throw it out. Right? That's, that's somewhere in the Bible, right? You know, God helps those who help themselves, right? Like, that's in there. It's not in there. You know, but... Uh, just kind of throw some some things like that. And um, you could probably still fool people with that. Uh, but you can't fool God. Now, I, you know, so I said, really, if you try really hard, you still can fool the people closest to you. And I have a hard time doing that. So I can't, I can't really do that with, with Boomy. I, I've, I try, and it doesn't work very well. And um, actually, recently, we were... Um, we were we were like we were at the zoo, and we were hanging out with um, some of our friends. Actually, I I I posted something on Instagram. It was like a, a giraffe was eating a <laughs> was eating this leaf. Um, you know, uh, well both both the kids and you know eating this leaf and and people were like I remember people were messaging me like commenting oh you know saying stuff like that's what you know whatever like normal stuff that's. Like the the clappy thing, or you know, that's cute, or whatever, like that kind of stuff. So the funny thing is, and we're posting these things, and we're like taking pictures and stuff. Well, the funny thing is, that whole day, Boomy and I were in a, in a huge fight, <laughs> right? So we were having a huge fight because in the morning, uh, when we were going, we were being really, um, just I don't know, we were I was being me, <laughs> and which is just bad, you know, mean or whatever, and um, and she was 
being the, the bad version of herself. And so we were kind of angry at each other. So we got in this huge fight, but we were meeting friends at the zoo. So we go there, and just before they came, because we got there before them, they, uh, Bumi was like, okay, do you want to talk about it? Because right? they're going to come. They're like, they're on the way. They're going to come soon. And I said, no. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I got nothing to say, right, because I was in a bad mood. And so that's how we were. That, that's our state, and we're like, if you could see us, we're like doing, you know, we're not facing each other. She's with one kid, I'm with the other kid, and we're kind of, there's distance between us while we're walking, and then our friends came, and when our friends came, we were like, hey, oh my gosh, you know, and we're just hugging, and we're just like having a good time. All of a sudden, we we're just talking to each other like normal, because we had to figure stuff out. We're like, okay, what food are we going to get, and are we going to go here or there, and we're joking. Literally, we're like telling stories about each other, like, oh yeah, I remember that time, like this happened, and that happened, and we're joking, and we're doing all this stuff. We spent the whole day together, and then at the end of the day, they're leaving. We're like, oh, okay, bye. Oh, my gosh, so good to see you. They're going back to their car, and literally five seconds after they walked away, it just, like, it wears off, <laughs> right? You're that whole thing that you've put up, like this veneer, you know, this, this outside candy coating type thing, right? It just disappears. It goes away. And we're walking back to the car, I'm take like every step we're taking towards the car, my emotions are changing, right? Like I'm becoming upset. And then we get to the car, and once we're in the car and we're driving home, driving through traffic, you know, through LA traffic coming home, we just we just fought the whole time. Right? We fought the whole way back. Kids are sleeping, so we were kind of whisper fighting. You know, like oh, like that because you can't really yell because the kids are in the back sleeping. Now, something happens there where you become, like, because we can put up veneer, right? Like, you can put up a show. But something happens when you're exposed. And we were both exposed, right? Our, our selfishness, as we were talking, it reveals itself. You know, both of us. What we are thinking reveals itself. How we are not being really loving and how we've hurt each other and how we've put our own selves above one another, that kind of stuff. It comes out. And, and we've done this tons of times. Of course, we've, like any couple, we've fought tons of times. But we've been able to forgive one another and love one another. Uh, largely, that's because of Jesus. Because... Jesus, we know Jesus knows us. We know that Jesus fully knows us, everything, and he still loves us. And when that's the foundation, I'm not saying like we think that all the time because obviously we don't. But when that's the foundation in your heart, then you can be able to have that with people. And in fact, when I can do that with her, it allows me to do it with other people because she knows me yet loves me and I feel the same for her and it makes us feel less like we have to put up a, a front when there's another person, a different person because I already know that there's someone who knows me fully yet loves me, that's God and there's actually another person who knows me fully yet loves me 
And then we're able to share things with other people. And when we do that, our faith is affirmed. Right? And some of you, like, have shared things to this effect, whether in how you came to Christ or things you've confessed or relationships that you have in life group, where you are able to share things and yet still be loved. That's because of Jesus. Because he has come into this world and become like us so that we could have a relationship with him. So that we could know that he fully knows you. So you could know he fully knows you, yet still loves you. And it allows us to have community. That's, that's what community is. This is why the arrival of Jesus, the promised worthy Savior who loves us, it means joy for the world. Now there's one other thing that we see. So Jesus is a, you know, why is this, why is this good news? Why does it produce joy in us? Because Jesus is a promised worthy Savior, but he's also a promised worthy Lord. He is, he is the Lord, Christ. And he's come from the line of Judah, from the line of David, right? Judah from Genesis 49, David from 2 Samuel 7, from the stump of Jesse. You guys remember how we looked at that? Isaiah 11, who will execute righteousness and justice from Jeremiah 23. He is, he's, he's a promised Savior who came to die for us and love us. He's also a promised King who has come to rule. Now, just not rule in the way that I think we typically think. Um, now, I think this speaks to a couple things. You know, what does it really mean to, to follow Jesus? It's, it's really not that complicated, right? One is to have him as your Savior. That means, okay, to confess your sin to God and to let him be, you know, trust in him for rescue. And that means you can have a relationship with God, right? What's the other part? It means you follow him. You know, he's Lord. Uh, so I hear this a lot, okay? It may not. I'm going to bring it up now, and hopefully it'll connect at the end. But um, uh, I hear this a lot from people um, where we have come up with a solution to disappointment. And our solution to disappointment is to lower our expectations, right? So I hear, I, I hear this all the time, like, you know, I'll be talking with someone, and then someone will say something, and then they'll just say, uh, well, my expectations are too high, right? So my expectations of my job or my expectations of my boss or my expectations of my coworkers or, you know, employees or my classmates or my friends or church, you know, there's ton- whatever, right? My family, there are tons of ways that we can, there are uh, scenarios that we can kind of insert this language. And I hear this all the time where people say, okay, the solution is simply to lower my expectations, So we, this is a game that we play because we think we're tricking ourselves, right? Like if I enter into this marathon or if I enter into this race and I just hope to not win you know, or whatever, then I won't care if I lose or whatever happens. Um, so let me just – I, I want to try to illustrate why I don't think that works or why I think we're doing something weird. 
just kind of trying to trick ourselves. Uh, so imagine the, fa- the following scenario. I, I, if I had shared that this was my expectation that, um, you know, to, to boo me and my family. When I come home from work, I expect my children to be patiently waiting for me, to have my house slippers ready for me to put on, even though I don't even own house slippers. But let's say they bought some for me, and then they're, they're there, they're ready for me, and I want to have my comfy pants right there so I could change into them. Right? I want dinner to be on the table and hot and ready to eat, not to mention boomy is um, wearing a formal evening gown, and also her hair is, you know, done, and her, she has makeup on, and um, my sports games are all recorded, and they're ready to be watched, and the kids, you know, after dinner, the kids will be put to bed by Boomy. She will do all that, right? And um, I'm just going to enjoy my life, right? Let's say that's my expectation, and then when I come through the door, um, Kids are running amok, you know. Boomy looks like she's been through a war. House is a mess. You know, stuff's everywhere. Dishes are piled up in the sink. No house slippers, right? No comfy pants. No dinner ready. And um, everything's crazy. And I say, I guess my expectations were just too high. Solution is I need to lower my expectations. Now, I think I'm doing something funny there when I, if I were to say that, right? Because that framing something that way makes it seem like there's nothing wrong with my expectations. They're just, I have high standards. I guess I just have high standards for what a wife should be, and you can't live up to it, right? I guess I just have high standards for what a friend should be, and you don't live up to my high standards, Because I just have high standards for what a job is supposed to be, and this job doesn't live up to my standards. Now, if I were actually to say that to Bumi, we'd be in big trouble. (laughs) I would be in big trouble, because that's pretty insulting, actually, if I were to say that. I would say, well, here were my expectations, and um, I guess you you just can't live up to them. I don't think that's correct terminology. And I think in a case like this, terminology matters. Our, my expectations were, that, were, were those my actual expectations. They would not be too high. They would be wrong. Right? Like imagine I'm at a Tesla dealer. Right? I go, I, I'm going to buy a Tesla. Right? Like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Right, I'm there, and, I, and they're showing me stuff, and they're showing me how efficient the car is and how fast it is and how the doors can open themselves and, you know, how, like, there's this amazing panel and the car can drive itself. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome, awesome. Okay, show me the flight mode. Like, excuse me? Like, the flight mode. Where, where do the wings come out, and how does this car fly? And they say, uh, what? <laughs> like, uh, the car, car doesn't fly. And then I say, oh, I guess my expectations were just too high. It's like, no, my expectations aren't high. They're dumb, right? Like, that doesn't reveal that I have high standards for a car. It reveals that I don't know what a car is, right? Like, I, I don't know what a car is supposed to do. I don't know the way that it's supposed to operate. Here's my point. Our problem has never been the level of our expectations. It has always been the object of our expectations. 
When we enter God's kingdom through God's chosen king, Jesus, we're not going somewhere physical. We're not going somewhere geographical. We're doing something spiritual. Jesus' reign on this earth is not a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's one that we enter not by going somewhere and doing something. It's by submitting our hearts to him. By saying, Jesus, you don't raise or lower my expectations. You now transform them. You determine them. You're the, you're the king. You're my new king. We're submitting to the king. We're saying, God, my expectations are backwards, built on a backwards world with a backwards sense of justice, ruled by backward king, backwards kings, but I want you, the worthy, promised king, to lead now. That's what I want. And when he helps us understand ourselves and our world and who he is and the depths of his glory and how he's designed us and how much he loves us and what he has in store for us, our expectations are not raised or lowered. They are changed. They are transformed. In Christ, God offers not lower expectations for the world around us, but in fact, greater expectations for God's work in and through us. The depth of that transformative joy in the gospel is more than we can imagine. Because it kind of starts like, like Christianity kind of starts where you think, well, I have a few things to figure out, right? Like I got a big sin in my life. I got a messed up history. You know, there's some big, there's these big boulders here that I need to really figure out. And once I figure that out, this is how all of us think when we're young Christians, Right. Once I figure those things out, it's just going to be good. Right? Like everything's going to be good. I'm going to just be changing the world and I'm just going to be doing things for God. Everything's going to be good. But as you walk with Christ, you simultaneously two things are happening. One, you're realizing how deep your sin is. So, you think, "Oh, it was just that one thing. I had this one thing with my parents." But when you explore it and you start digging around it, you you start finding all this other stuff. It's like, oh, man, this is connected to other stuff. And this bled into these other parts of my life. I thought it was just my childhood, but now it bled into other parts of my life. And it's actually at work right now in all of my relationships. I can see it. I see how all of these things are happening and how they're interconnected. So the depth of your sin as you're excavating it is revealed. And you're like, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. The breath and the death, it's everywhere. I thought it was just this one cell in my body, but it turns out to be a cancer that has spread through the entirety of my my whole being. So that's happening, but on the other side, you're learning how much, how deep, how wide, how high is the love of Christ. You're learning how great is that grace. Right? And the same verse you used to read 10 years ago, it means something completely different. The same song that you sang two years ago, it means something completely different. Because the depth of that joy and that life as you have learned to walk with Christ changes. And what's crazy is he starts to fix things. He starts to tear down walls. He starts to put up new ones. He starts to move your heart and shape you and change what you think and where you thought you were going 
and what you thought you were doing and what was the most significant thing in your life, it all changes and it transforms and it morphs and something crazy happens. This is 1 Corinthians 3. You don't have to turn there. 3, 21 to 23. It says, So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Now, this is a passage about unity. You know, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church because they have these divisions. And people are saying, well, I follow Paul, and I follow, you know, Apollos, and I follow Cephas. So they're, they're having these divisions, right? And what Paul is telling them is they have misunderstood the gospel. Because what they shouldn't be divided like this and kind of competing in a sense. What they need to understand is because Jesus is king of everything, right? Because he's Lord of all. When you follow the Lord of all, everything becomes yours. He turns everything. Every, every part of your life is turned. There is no Paul and Apollo. You know, these factions don't exist. It's all Christ's. Don't you get it? Life is Christ's. Death is Christ's. And death is turned to you. Death, the worst thing that could happen to us in this world, no longer has power over it. It's not something to fear because it's turned. Death marks the entrance into this relationship with Jesus. Right? Heather was just saying like, like 30 minutes ago that uh, she's weary of this life, right? <laughs> it's like, go be with the Lord. Yeah, that's, that's what death does. We enter into this face-to-face relationship with God. So even death, which is the worst thing for us here, in fact becomes the best thing for us. Because all of the other stuff that's part of this life is over. Everything. This means everything in your life, everything that's happened, it will all be turned to Jesus if you let it. If you don't let it remain a regret that you hide. If you don't let it remain uh, this bad thing that's just a part of your past or maybe your present. If you say, Jesus, you're Lord of all, that means all of my bads. They'll be turned to good, to your glory, to my goodness, to my growth. That's that's what Jesus has for you. Every single thing is yours in Christ. That's what Jesus entering the world means. The promised worthy Lord of all is here. When we follow him, all things are turned to him. So, real quick, how should we respond to this news? Right, that the promise worthy Savior is here, the promise worthy Lord is here. Let's look how uh, those in this passage respond. It says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen 
as it had been told them. Okay, so real quick, how do we enter into this joy that exists because of the birth of Jesus? There's just two real quick things that we see here. Um, Witness and proclaim. Witness and proclaim. So they went to see it, and then they told people about it. That's it. Uh, This is the kind of news that we can't sit on. Right? It's the kind of news that is, that is revolutionary. It changes everything about your life. That's what it's supposed to do in our lives, and that's what it can do for any who would step into it, who would believe in it. Right? Um, this is a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. It says, If ever the world needed the witness and testimony of Christian people, it is at this present time. The world is unhappy. It is distracted and frightened. And what it needs is to see stars shining out of the heavens in the midst of the darkness, attracting the world by rebuking that darkness and by giving it light, showing how it too can live that quality of life. Let this season, this day, be an opportunity to joyfully lean into Jesus as Savior and Lord. Right? Simply to say, hey, Jesus, wherever you're at, um, I just want to trust in you. I just want to trust in you. I just want to trust that you love me. And that, that actually means something. That your love is great. That I can enjoy it. I, I want to sing these songs and I want it to connect really in my heart. I want to pray to you and know that you hear me. I want to interact with your people and know that it's meaningful. Right? Even if I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, it doesn't matter. Right? I could just enjoy you today. And I want to step into glad submission of you. Not this, not kind of a reluctant obedience. I don't want to do this where it's like, I, I, I have to, I guess I'll, I'll do. No, I want to just, I want to lean into, I want to celebrate, I want to trust in the promise of you. Look, this is a season where concerns, anxieties, loneliness, depression, hurt, pain, these things are, they tend to be heightened um, for most of us because as the, again, as the ideals, we've been saying this, right, but as the ideals are, are propped up, so are the discrepancies. We see the gap. And that's a reality that we face. Um, and I would just say, cast them on Jesus. Like, share it with Jesus and believe that he actually can speak to them because he can. Um, you know, if we're, if we're uncertain, if there's any uncertainty in our hearts about where we, like, where are we with God right now? This is, this is the message for us. That he is inviting us into comfort and life and joy. That he's inviting us into the belief that we have nothing to prove before him, that our value and worth is built completely on him and who he's made us to be, and he's not trying to force us to be something. He's trying to unleash us to become something, someone in him. And I would just say, you know, there's one last thing. Um, Celebrate the message by spreading it. Right? It's really a like, there's something about being able to tell people good news. Um, 
So, you know, and Boomi and I do this often because one of us, one or either, one of us won't know something oftentimes. And we like telling the other person, you know, that um, something's happened, you know, somebody, you know, and we, we pray for you guys. And, you know, when we know that stuff is happening in your lives, like whether it's like school or a job or, you know, some relationship or something's happening, and then we'll tell the other person. And there's something that's great about being able to tell somebody something, something good. Right? Like, oh, did you hear about this? And, like, being able to participate in that joy, like, oh, did you hear, um, you know, such and such happened, or, um, you know, like, they got that job, or these people are dating, you know, or, you know, someone is pregnant, like these things, like I, and I, I can recall vividly, like instances where those, those, that news has been passed. And each of us, like our reactions to those things. Imagine, I mean, many of you know this, right? Because you have friends who weren't Christian, you know, friends or family members who weren't Christian, and who became Christian. But being a part of that is amazing. Like, so much more amazing. I'm I'm thankful that I've been able to experience that. It's so amazing having people cross over from death to life. God's doing all the work, but just to be the messenger, right? To be like, yeah, this is what's happening. That is an amazing gift that God has given to us to participate in. And so let's really do that. You know, let's step into that in this season. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much. For the joy that you bring to our lives because of Jesus, God, that we can celebrate you, that we can sing songs to you, that we can pray to you and you hear us and you answer us, God, that whatever we're feeling, you know, even even in our struggles, God, even when we feel um, afraid or alone or anxious or worried, God, that you comfort us, that you speak to us the words that we need to hear, that you um, remind us of how much you love us and how much that affects our hearts, God. We thank you so much for your son, Jesus, for his birth as a baby, for his death on a cross, for his resurrection from the dead for the life that we have in you because of him, God. Um, may we enjoy, may we celebrate, and may we proclaim, God, that life and that joy to one another today and, and always. We thank you so much, God, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.